What's up, Montrose? Uh, welcome back to Motown Knows. I'm Josue Perez, local reporter here at the Montrose Daily Press. Uh, I spoke with you all when I uh, spoke with a couple of local Montrose football players for our first episode, so I'm back here with uh, episode five, and uh, today we're going to be talking about housing. Uh, it's part one of a three-part series that we have planned, and I'm joined by Jeff Kifas. He's a broker owner of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, um, which has offices in Montrose, Grand Junction, Durango, and Telluride. And before we get started, uh, this, uh, if anyone has any comments on uh, Neighbor, you can go to neighbor.montrosepress.com, share your thoughts there, um, and you can do that after the live stream as well. And also, shout out to Delta Montrose Electric Association for their help with this, uh, helping make this possible. So um, huge thanks to them. Uh, we're really appreciative of them uh, helping us uh, do this uh, Motown Nose conversation series. So uh, Jeff, it's uh, great to have you on. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, um, uh, thanks for having me. I, I always, that's what I talk about, real estate, that's my life. So it seems like that's, that's a hot topic anymore. And we've had some conversations already, uh, you know, you and I, uh, a couple of times for stories that I've done here in the Montrose community. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've talked about how volatile the housing market's been here in Montrose and even just the region itself. Uh, but, you know, over the last few months, what are some takeaways that you've had uh, with everything that's going on in, in housing? Um, you know, some just a couple of things that might have uh, stood out to you so far. Well, it's you know, there's so much to talk about and there's so many different, um, uh, and, and there's all of these markets are all independent, you know, Durango obviously is much different than Telluride, which is much different than, uh, uh Grand Junction. So, uh, but at the same point, like everyone knows, I mean, the market really has, um, has been kind of, it's just been crazy. And, and it's, uh, the million dollar question really for me is kind of where does it go from here? And I'm, and everybody is searching for those answers, wanting to know where it's going from here. And um, um, it's really a mixed bag right now. Um, there, there's a lot of indicators that I have access to that I have to study as, as part of my uh, my job, but to, to kind of try to get some uh, feel of where the market's going. And what's interesting right now is there's so many things that um, you can kind of go, there's a lot of different directions you can go. If you just look at the stats, which obviously are all in arrears and things that have had happened, uh, have happened previously, um, sort of like an appraisal on a house that they, they use sold comps. Um, a lot of indicators would show you that it's just gone through the roof and it's going to continue. Um, but, but I would like to believe that um, there's a lot to this, and don't get me wrong. I'm certainly not trying to be negative or that the sky is falling, but I told you this previously, and I think we're we're just starting to finally hit this paradigm now, where um, uh, I believe that we're going to start plateauing a bit locally, at least, um, although although not much. And um, a lot of people are in a real favorable market position in their home, and so even if the market did have a downturn, um, people I think would be in good shape. The local lenders have have uh, I've had discussions with them, and they they feel that people are in, you know, they haven't allowed to, people to get HELOCs and a lot of uh, seconds on their home to where that they would be anywhere near a position that we had, you know, back in the downturn ten years ago. Um, but 
but it's just, it's just, you know, I, I don't know where it's going to go. You have people coming in from out of town to us locally that have lived here and we've seen this market uh, before. It appears to us that the market's gotten a little out of control and, and, and that the prices are going through the roof. But, uh, but it's interesting because the people that are coming here are like, no, you don't realize I, you know, maybe for an example, they lived in an 1100 square foot house in California and sold it for 800,000 and they moved here and what they can buy for 800,000, they feel is a bargain. So, so it's all in perspective and, and keeping it, keeping it, um, uh, you know, understanding, you know, this market for them, it seems to be a, a bargain and a great place to live. So what, and what gives you the impression that, you know, this market might start plateauing? I, I know a lot of people are starting to come over here, you know, from bigger cities to kind of be a little bit more remote. They're starting to realize, Hey, remote works, probably something that works a little bit better for me and I can do that in a more, you know, rural area. Uh, what, what gives you the impression that we might uh, plateau here soon here in Montrose? Well, there, there's, there's so many things that it's really hard to pinpoint any one. So let me quick as quickly as I possibly can. Let me give you a couple indicators that are things that I see um, that, that the general public might not see because I have access to, you know, current showings on homes in different price ranges. Um, you know, then you talk to local lenders, local title companies, um, and, and, and the over agents, uh, talking to other agents and agents in all my offices. And, and, and you just get a sense right now that it's not just the seasonal downturn right now, that it's actually, uh, you can feel it. You can feel things soften a bit and slow a bit compared to what they were even over a year ago. Um, and when you look at the statistics, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I could send you or that I would uh, have available that, that are interesting because even though you might show where this trend has gone up, you'll see a little hook at the end. So it's like, it's, it's almost like it's starting to go in a different direction or trend in a different direction. So for an example would be days on market. We all know that things hit the market. There's multiple offers, which we've never had here before. Um, this is just a market we've never seen before. But now you, you might still get a few offers, but you don't get six or eight or 10 or 15, um, which was just a complete zoo and, and difficult for everybody involved. Um, uh, so certainly it was good for sellers. Sellers were enjoying that, that, that market. But, um, but the, things like days on market, um, things as far as um, distressed inventory, and you see some of those things starting to kind of creep in a different direction. Um, What's interesting, though, is, is if you t take the trend lines and you look at them, you'll see where um, we're starting to get a few, we'll get it, we'll get more um, inventory on the market. And again, this is kind of a broad spectrum of the Western Slope, but because some areas are different. But when you seem to start getting more, um, some more inventory come on the market, um, they, they gobble them up. And so the, that that the price has just gotten from, you know, a few years ago, we were in the 230s for a median uh, price of a home in, in Montrose, and now we're pushing, you know, the 400,000 numbers. Um, so add that to the list of things that make me a little nervous about where the market's going to go is that, um, you know, um, average household income for Montrose County, I think over the last three years, don't totally quote me, but I'm pretty sure this is accurate, that um, for the last three years has actually gone down for a household income. Of, of now it's right around 50,000. I think it was close to 52. But when you do the math, if you have little or no money to put down on a home and you're talking a median income of 400,000, it's just an affordability problem that we have right now. And I, I don't know how that's gonna all pan out because 
Um, if you're a, a working class person in Montrose, you're um, maybe you're more blue collar, maybe you're in construct construction industry, and you used to be able to buy a home, cute little three bedroom, two bath, 1500 square foot home with a two car garage um, for 200,000. Um, then uh, now if we say, okay, well, you can still live in Montrose, but now you need to live in, um, you know, multifamily or, or some other type of housing. I'm just afraid that are those people going to want to stay here or, or can they even afford to stay here? So those are the things that just make me nervous um, about wondering where this market's going to go. I, I just think that at some point this thing, um, it, it, it would appear to me common sense tells me it has to start tapering off. But as you can see, I mean, so far, it really, it really kind of hasn't until just, just the last few months. A lot of that has to do, too, with the multiple offers deal on a single home. You just mentioned that's something that hasn't been seen a lot here in Montrose. And a lot of it, you know, from what I've seen and, and, seen and heard about and, and just from, you know, talking with realtors and, and people who are looking for homes is you could have five offers on a home. But only one person is going to, you know, finalize and close on that. So that leaves four families slash couples who are, you know, without a home and they're still looking, you know, how, how prevalent has that been uh, for, for the past year or so, you know, since the pandemics are even a little bit before that, you know, how, you know, how much of a rate are we seeing that right now? Well, you know, and, and again, there's so many variables and all that. And it's really difficult because, um, you know, real estate transaction for, um for a buyer and a seller it, it is, uh, you know, a lot of times it's the biggest investment they're going to make in their life. Um, but at the same time, it's really difficult when you're working with maybe, um, uh, you know, maybe you're looking for someone who's relocating to Montrose and they really do need a place to live. And they're competing against cash offers of investors that are looking for those maybe, for an example, as rental properties. And, um, you know, buyer love letters, which are um, now uh, pretty much obsolete because of fair housing issues that were coming up. People were, you know, submitting a buyer love letter of, you know, if you'll take my offer, we just will love your house. And, you know, me and my three kids and maybe the seller isn't um, didn't, doesn't like kids or, you know, so, so they, they uh, were uh, one of the protective classes were were uh, being harmed. And so now basically you submit an offer and it's uh, it's the merit of the offer of, of who gets uh, what gets accepted. And in my case. You know, we we come up, uh, we have a multiple offer worksheet that we'll come up with and we'll put all the details of uh, the highlights of the offer and, and submit that to the seller. And um, and they'll make a, a decision based on, you know, which offer looks to be the best. And, and then there's a lot of factors that go into that on, you know, because a lot of times um, I got to tell you that um, the number of cash offers that actually don't close is pretty high because things were getting so difficult, cash offers were coming in and they wouldn't even see the property. So a seller might uh, decide to take a cash offer over a financed offer when in fact, then the buyer comes to town, they look at the property and then they just terminate and go on to the next one. So, um, so you know, I always use the likelihood to close factor, if you will. You know, I would uh, tell the seller, look, you know, this, the terms of this offer are extremely good. Whereas maybe the price on another one might be higher, but there's some things that go with it. But anyway, but um, there, there's really, I don't have a way to answer that question other than to tell you that um, everybody is in the same boat where, you know, they're looking for a home. And and we actually in, in our office have had, um, to my knowledge, we may have had a higher, but 
But even on a $500,000 house, I've seen $100,000 over asking price with um, with uh, appraisal gap provisions in the contract that there would be no appraisal or that the buyer was willing to pay the difference just to get the house. So um, how do you compete with that? You know, it's, it's really difficult, really tough for the buyer. How do, I mean, how does that compare to, you know, all, all the work that your, your office has put in just before this massive trend that we're seeing? I mean, how, how often would you see that beforehand? Oh, almost never. You know, there's kind of a standing joke in the real, real estate in, industry that, or at least locally, that we always say you either have no offers or you have two. And, um, you know, it always gets more difficult with two. It's good for the seller because then a lot of times, you know, they may get competing offers from a buyer and they can um, they, they can try to, you know, get maybe a better deal in their house. Although in some cases, you know, as the, as the market turns, like I think it's, it will, um, uh, you know, sometimes if a buyer knows they're in a competing offer, they may uh, decide that they don't want to play that game and, and they'll opt out. So I've seen, I've seen people lose both buyers by trying to, um, you know, trying to play one buyer against the other. So, you know, ethically, if we have an offer, we have to present it. But a lot of people think that, oh, well, we're trying to, you know, maybe a realtor is trying to get the, the offer up for the seller. So they're telling all these other agents that they have other offers. And and uh, it, it just um, doesn't happen in my offices anyway. I mean, if we have an offer, then we'll go to the, if the seller gives permission, we'll go to the other brokers and let them know that there is another offer, competing offer. And if they want to adjust their offer, they can. And it's up to the seller to decide how they want to do that. But, um, uh, but, but you know, to answer your, your question, um, you know, we literally uh, almost, we haven't seen multiple offers like this in Montrose County anyway for, uh, since I've been in the business, which is, you know, 15 years. And, you know, with supply and demand where it's at, how, how often are you seeing cash offers right now? Is it, is it more so than before or the same? Or, you know, is, is it just kind of falling with where the, what the market's doing and just, you know, elevating to massive levels? Um, you know, it, it, again, this is market specific. Like in Telluride, I just had uh, uh, was privy to some information today in Telluride of, um, you know, obviously a lot of cash offers up there because a lot of those people up there was uh, second homes and, and uh, resort community. And so, um, but in Montrose, you know, you, you, I, I hate to use this as an example because every deal is different, but say in the three to $500,000 price range, if you got six offers, you might have um, three or four that are financed and a couple that are cash. But, but again, like you said, you know, if you have a cash offer, sellers looking at those, um, it's, it's real difficult because a lot of times the cash offer, if they take a, a lot of the contingencies out of the contract, um, the seller really kind of is in a, a position where why would they not? Because, um, you know, then you get a contingency of another home selling or sometimes domino effect of several homes selling. And so as a seller, when you want to move and you want to sell, um, it, you, you just really can't take that chance. I want to switch over to just the pricing of uh, the median sales price that, you know, Montrose County has seen. And, uh, you know, a big topic around here just for uh, locals and out-of-state buyers is the prospect of uh, affordable housing, you know, so, uh, uh, a rate of pricing where, you know, a family or a couple can can find a home that, you know, works for them, it's suitable for them. Uh, but you know, f- from everything you've seen, the trends that you're envisioning and everything you've kind of discussed today, wh- when could you see a potential path for, you know, affordable housing 
uh, here in Montrose or just just for it to trend in that direction where it could you know level off for some locals and uh, out-of-state buyers who want to move to Montrose and settle here? Um, well, that's a that's a great question. And unfortunately, um, I'll, I'll give you what I would consider more of a straight answer, which would be um, extremely debatable. And um, uh, some people may not be that happy about the way that I would present the answer. But um, um, but I, I personally, and, and I know you and I didn't talk about this, so you didn't know this, but um, but I've been working on a, an affordable housing project with Habitat for Humanity for the last, we've been working on and off for it almost two years, and we were extremely excited about the prospect. And it was 46 acres that I have that's annexed into the city, and I was going to donate it to them uh, to be able and, and anyway, it was really exciting. There was a lot of people involved in stuff, um, but we were, uh, the there were some of the major players um, have decided to back out um, and think that maybe we could find a more suitable location or a better location. But that in itself is the million dollar question because um, I can tell you behind the scenes that there's a lot of people that tout, you know, oh, we're going to do affordable housing or we want affordable housing until we tell them that, oh, by, by the way, that, that could be that we buy some properties in your housing development or, or we put the, the affordable housing near you. And then all of a sudden it becomes not um, a popular subject anymore or it gets deterred or it gets changed. And, and so affordable housing is, is extremely difficult. Uh, topic. Um, and like I say, I thought that I was so excited that we were going to have an answer to it of possibility, possibility of maybe 100 plus houses that, um, you know, would be kind of a, a sweat equity like Habitat does and, and some answers to some of that. But um, um, I'll, I'll just be straight and I'll just tell you as far as in my opinion, unless there's something like, say, Telluride where you put in some deed restricted areas with some affordable housing um, and, and something like that comes up quicker than later. Um, I don't see anything in the, in the near future other than maybe something like some multifamily apartments are getting ready to try to build and um, some of that. But um, I, I don't I don't see it coming up in the near future. And then what's the definition of affordable? You know, when you're talking median price of 400,000, what's affordable? Um, so I, I, I really hate to give that answer and there need, there needs to be some uh, momentum and some people need to get involved, but, but it's a touchy one. And, uh, a great, you know, discussion point you and I have had before is just, uh, the ripple effects that could have on a community and specifically in Montrose, you know, if, if you have people putting in offers in homes and they're not securing anything, you know, maybe they move somewhere else and, you know, Montrose loses potentially people um, that could join the labor force or contribute in, in some way in the economy here. So uh, I just wanted you to get your thoughts on the, the types of ripple effects that are seen in a community when housing is where it is now and just the impacts that has on a community that wants to grow. Obviously, like here in Montrose, it's growing in, in different ways. Uh, but, you know, those ripple effects uh, and, your, and what are your thoughts on those and, and how does it how can it impact Montrose and even, you know, places like Telluride and Uray who uh, often, you know, ha- uh, count on Montrose to, to help them out in, in a way? Well, I mean, it's another great question, but like you and I have discussed that um, at some point in time, if someone wants to come to work and in, in, uh, or, or live in Montrose and if they can't afford a place, um, where are they going to go? Um, 
and 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 so so you have a lot of the people that are moving here that are more retiree types um, that need more service related. So they need people to come and clean windows and clean their house and their cars and you know do all those kind of services for them. But um, we need a place for those people to live. And so uh, so that's a that's a, that's a, another huge concern along with affordable housing is is um, you know, we still need to have that base. And we don't have a college here like Grand Junction or in Durango where you can at least pull from some of those people to be able to get some of the uh, some some of the uh, labor force. Um, you're you're you know, we have what we have here. And, and I know that um, some of the latest economy reports in Montrose show that unemployment in Montrose is down. You know, I think it was in, in the five percent range and stuff. So so that that appears to be doing OK. But you know as well as I do um, how many times you drive up to somewhere and the place is closed because of uh, short staff or no staff. And um, and so, you know, I, I know that's more uh, also a nationwide problem, but um, but that's that's just another problem. I don't have the answer to, um, but it's something that needs to be addressed in this area because we're kind of busting at the seams. With, with homes being sold, uh, you know, the way they are at these prices, you know, who do you see are you know, who's who's securing these homes and you know who are the people that are being affected by by the market and where it's at? I mean, what are you seeing on your end with uh, your agency? Well, again, that that really is a lot of the people that are I think the more of the retirees or the people that were um, you know in the in the in the metro areas that that just decided that um, they wanted out or in Telluride. Um, there's been people that those were second homes. They decided to sell the home they were at, and then they go live in that in the second home or vacation home in Telluride. Um, but you're seeing, um, you know, these people come here, um, and and the, and the markets are still good enough in these other areas um, across the country for now, and they're able to get enough money when they come here that um, uh, you know they they can buy a house here for a lot less and um, still have some money to put in the bank, and and um, so. But but again, you know, it just makes it difficult because all of that is what's driving the prices up. And it's not like it's not their fault. Um, I mean, all, we all live here. We can't close the door behind us, which a lot of people want to do. You know, we live here. And so other people want to live here, too. But, you know, it's like a good fishing hole. And once it's been found, which we sort of have been there a few times in Montrose, um, then I think it's like uh, I, I don't know when it's going to turn. But. You know, as far as building goes, though, you know, you only have so many builders in Montrose and they can only build so many houses. You're not going to get like a, a Dell Webb type company come to Montrose and build a thousand houses because they're plenty busy building houses where they're at. So, um, you know, there's several developments right now that are um, that are either started or in the works. Um, there's uh, an extension to the trailer court out on LaSalle, which I guess you could consider affordable housing, although you're talking about space rent at. Four hundred to five hundred dollars a month just for space rent. Um, so is that affordable? I don't know. I don't know what the definition of affordable is. Um, maybe we call it the most affordable. Uh, that uh, as a county or something, uh, what's the most affordable house that we have or or, or housing? Um, but anyway, I, I just again, you know, it's just all of those are are the factors of you know low supply and um, and high demand of why the prices here are doing what they're doing. Well, with that in mind, then twenty twenty, you know, twenty twenty one nearing its end, uh, and of course, it's always hard to forecast and predict this stuff. It's so volatile at times. How's, uh, in your opinion, twenty twenty two shaping up uh, here uh, in terms of the housing market? 
Um, well, again, no one has a crystal ball, um, but I'd like to believe that since we do this every day, we have a, a pretty good pulse on on what's going on. And I can tell you that um, my feeling for 2022 is that we're going to get more inventory. People are gonna more people are gonna decide to sell. Um, the million dollar question will be. Um, how many buyers will we have and are they still going to stay in the buyer pool when interest rates start to climb if they if they continue to like they do what what happens with inflation what happens with um, you know I mean I, I've heard gas prices of what they could possibly do so inflation in general could could influence a lot of that um, you know so so not getting on to all the national factors um, I personally think in 2022 we're going to have a busy year, but but um, hopefully for for um, the housing market we get more manageable, if you will, just like growth. You know, managed growth is fine, but uh, this busting at the seams and and uh, uh, is really kind of it's really burned a lot of people out. It doesn't matter if I talk to lenders, electricians, plumbers, bankers. Um, you know, this the 2021 was a difficult year on on everyone, and um, so I'm I'm hoping we, you know, with with everything nationally and stuff that we get back a little bit to normal, a little more normalcy with you know everything from COVID down the line, but um, um, but I wouldn't look for anything major in our market. Um, uh, I'd like to to know I'd like to think that I could talk to you. Uh, 12 months from now and see how correct I was. But mm -hmm. uh, I think you're going to start seeing that that upward trend start to stabilize a bit. If not, um, I don't know that I would say it'll go down, but I don't think you're going to see it. Um, I don't think you're, I, I can't imagine that it will continue to go up like it has. I, I don't know where, I don't know what we'll do. I, I really don't. Well, we'll definitely see what happens. Uh, 2022 is coming up very quickly. So, uh, uh, Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on here and uh, sharing your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, you offer some great insight and perspective as to what's uh, going on with the market here. Yeah, thank you, Jose. I, uh, we've always had good discussions, and um, and uh, you know, none of us know the answers, but I think that that what some people might find interesting is some of these things, like I talked about, is some of these trends that seem to be going in a different direction. You know, and, and instead of a 45 degree angle on, you know, uh, sales and pending sales and, um, you know, that, that we're starting to see some of those start to plateau a bit. So I guess we'll all see where it goes from here. Yeah, absolutely. Time will tell as it, as it does with many things. So I want to thank uh, Jeff again. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, as always, if you have any thoughts, you can head to neighbor.montrospress.com and that's spelled N-A-B-U-R. Uh, you can share your thoughts there, um, share some posts or, you know, tune into this conversation that I just had with Jeff. If you have any thoughts or if you have any personal experiences with trying to find a home in the market, um, some frustrations or some revelations, you could definitely share them on neighbor.montrospress.com. I uh, wanted to thank Delta Montrose Electric Associate again for their uh, help with this and their uh, contributions to our efforts here with Motown Nose. Uh, and in two weeks, tune in again. We'll have part two of this series. Uh, there's a lot to cover with housing here. So that's why we're going to do a part two and a, eventually a part three that we have planned. So uh, it's great tuning in with everyone here with Motown Knows. Uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. So uh, thanks again and uh, hope you have a great weekend. 
Motown Knows is produced by the Montrose Daily Press and created by Justin Tubbs and myself, Josue Perez. It's edited by Sean Flannelly and Sean Fitzpatrick with additional production support from Montrose Daily Press staff writers Annalyn Winfrey and Cassie Knust.